0: All right, settle down class, I'll be your relief teacher, the uh, regular bloke Chuck De So, our uh, film today features some local Australian wildlife. Thought I'd lob in and give you the trigger warning like you're back in candy, as you Americans seem to lose your shit at the thought of a brown snake being in your boots. So, here we go. Now, in this film, you will see the famous dingo. It's just a fucking dog. Nothing to worry about, as long as you don't piss it off. There is a reason it's famous for eating ankle biters. You will also see the dangerous big eel. Really not that dangerous though, as long as you don't fuck with them. And finally, there's the web spider. A real corker of an eight-legged fucker. Very venomous and just like a hill's hoist and a goonsack, sack. Extremely common in Australian households. We found the best course of action is to just leave the buggers in the garden alone. Not here to fuck spiders. So bloody don't. Alright, have a crack at it. She'll be alright. Give us a yell if you need.
1: That is, like, such a crazy show to me because... All right, all right, all right. Guys, let's settle down
2: now, class. Today, we have a guest speaker who's sharing uh, a very exciting opportunity. So um, I'm just going to go ahead and turn the floor over to Mr. Brad Idea. (laughs) (laughs) Greetings class. I'd like to get you all in on the ground floor of my new state-of-the-art housing development. (laughs) You're actually gonna be getting in below the ground floor. You're getting more like the dewy concrete sewage runoff cave of this deal. It's very exciting. Now it's a little ways away. It's in the beautiful marsupial field land of New Australia. <laughs> Sydney suburbs to be exact. 600 acres of housing, strip malls, and grocery stores all at your fingertips. Each of our attractive split level houses comes with an in-ground pool, <laughs> access to green spaces such as parks, And we made sure to build every street over its own indigenous burial ground. (laughs) Yes, you might be asking, well, how did we do this? Aren't indigenous burial grounds much smaller? Well, that's a great question, (laughs) Gail.
3: We made sure
2: to import the very best burial grounds to use as the foundation for your home. Some say there's a little bit of a wildlife problem. We say it's a wildlife opportunity. (laughs) Think about it. You get up-close and personal relationships to some of the world's deadliest animals. Now, you wouldn't want to pass that up, would you? Our houses are dog-friendly, snake friendly <laughs> spider-friendly. Hell, you can even have your boyfriend over while your single dad's out in the house trying to make a living for you to pay for your new bathing suit, Missy. <laughs> <laughs> and there's ample police presence. We can't have safe neighborhoods without the police, right? They aren't trained, they don't do much, but they'll put on their hat and run towards you if you're getting maimed. So at least there's someone there to claim the body. <laughs> so lease or buy one of Hadachi Developments' new properties. We say at Hadachi Developments, we make the home of your dreams. Also, Vegemite, Dingoes, Mel Gibson, you know the (laughs) (laughs) drill.
4: Sign me the hell up. I see no downsides.
1: Thanks, Brad Idea, you (laughs) ruddy drongo. Kadacha, where the modern day meets the mysteries of an ancient race. What's that about a stone?
4: It's just this thing that Tracy found in her bed yesterday morning. Mrs. Milhouse said it was Aboriginal. Was it anything
2: like this? Where an ancient curse brings death. <laughs> Where a holiday
1: becomes a vortex of fear for four friends.
3: Somebody call!
0: Something dragged her under against the current.
3: <laughs> what the hell is going
1: So, let me turn it over to the class. What do you think of that, Mr. Casey Regan? Thank you, Brad Idea. I hate to get so serious, but I gotta just come out with a sort of a health advisory warning. When a significant portion of the body's blood supply accumulates (laughs) in the progenitive organs, this blood is borrowed from the (laughs) cerebral hemisphere. If sexual tension is prolonged without release for a sustained period of time, the resulting lack of oxygen to the cerebellum could trigger a seizure of the cerebral hemisphere. Meaning extermination of the brain. (laughs) So no... You don't have to have sex with me. <laughs> what'd you think about this, mister Josh
5: Roth? You're listening to KXPZ Exposition Radio, Sydney's number one source <laughs> for cinematic context. At the top of the hour we'll be counting down the top ten reasons you should never build a street on an aboriginal burial ground. But first, here's some of the latest hits by Yahoo Serious
2: I <laughs> hey, miss Kennedy. What'd you think of the movie?
4: A <laughs> dango. I Wait, my Tracy!
2: (laughs) (laughs) And me, Mr. Brad Idea himself, Greg Hansen, a cursed housing development on an ancient burial ground. I bet you can polter guess where
1: this one's going. (laughs) Matcha! Matcha! This movie r- ruled. Yeah, oh, this was really yes. good. I
4: loved this so much. I was
1: shocked by how much I enjoyed this film. I got this like amazing sense of being a late eighties teen in Sydney, baby. I, got, a, like, a, I felt a late like 80s, I really thirty-five-year-old
4: teen in Sydney. <laughs> yeah, sure. Man, Gail, I thought was her father's girlfriend until they specifically said hey daughter he did <laughs> yeah <laughs> when
2: when her dad is trying to like mack it with the the girl from the uh, yeah. instructional video is right. like she's like you're fucking young
4: <laughs> like,
1: and he's just like yeah don't don't think about that too hard <laughs> i mean it doesn't help that he's also a young stud
4: well man if i could have the confidence of every male in this movie wearing a speedo like <laughs> right. I'd be a much stronger person.
1: If I was able to pull off one of those, like, bathrobes that ends just below your scrotum. (laughs) That's the sort of person gets up ready to disrespect an indigenous people's burial plot.
5: (laughs) And I loved how unabashedly Australian it
1: was. It was the 80s, Josh. Australians didn't have to apologize anymore. (laughs) (laughs)
2: That time had passed. I do appreciate that the movie starts with credits over black and just the banal whirring of a didgeridoo. In case you were wondering where we were going.
4: (laughs) As this woman, this apparently teenager, but for all intents and purposes right now, an adult woman walking in a billowing white nightgown through a drain pipe.
1: (laughs) Yeah, through some sewage runoff. And it's
4: shot like... Total eclipse of the heart, basically a nineteen yeah. eighty music video. Yeah, it is like the Sister Christian. Yeah,
2: the whole time I, I was like, "This better be a fucking dream," because if you are oh, if you are walking through this in your bare feet, you are a nightmare person. <laughs> yeah,
1: it is no. But later, when they find the the sewage runoff cave, they all walk in in bare feet. Yeah, yeah, because the Australians are hobbits.
4: They fear nothing. <laughs> they, yeah,
1: this
5: didgery doom motif comes back throughout the movie. Like whenever
2: something is going to happen, the ominous didgeridoo
5: returns.
2: This is where we meet Tracy, who is the first victim, is not the main character. (laughs) So she sort of has this dream. It's the first time we see the dream. And the dream is walking scared through a drainage cave area into a regular cave that has (laughs) aboriginal paintings and an aboriginal man Doing a little jig around a fire when the person who's dreaming approaches. The aboriginal man turns around and... <coughs> it's oh, a skeleton. skeleton.
4: Suddenly skeleton.
2: And apparently every time you get scared, people open their hands so that he can quickly put a uh, Geode into their hand and then close it and then they wake up and they now have a stone of death.
4: I love that the crux of this curse is no takebacks. Nope, nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <no. laughs> Hot potato,
2: yeah. the movie. <laughs>
1: You touched it last, you touched it last, you touched it (laughs) last. In reality, there is a northern and southern aboriginal practice of bone pointing. I read a bit of, you know, of course Wikipedia, but then a little other things too. I clicked the footnotes. If there was a member of the tribe who had committed some taboo against the culture in some sort of way, committed a crime, they would involve the Kodaija who would make this bone sort of wand what it was was a long piece sharpened like a needle of either a human arm bone or a kangaroo bone or an emu bone or hey if you're in a pinch a piece of wood (laughs) with (laughs) (laughs) you work with what you got with hair uh resins to one end of it kodaitra refers to uh, like shoes they wore when they were on the quote unquote hunt which was uh, made up of emu feathers and human or animal fur which allowed them to walk around and leave no footprints. <gasps> and what what they would do is they would you know say the proper incantations, uh, bless the uh, the bone in a certain sort of way, and then the kurdaicha would go on a hunt, find that person needing to be cursed, and then kneel down, point it at them. I read this excerpt from this book. It was talking about how like fear is so central to like what makes a society a society, because so much of like society's role in in our lives is fear like induction and reduction it's like a society works in so far as it presents fears that we all need to properly react to and also reduces our fears and things that we feel the society should be responsible for their implications to all of humanity are most clear in their most extreme examples and it talks about bone pointing as like in so much as it can be measurable there were enough instances recorded of people who have been bone pointed dying out of just like having been bone pointed after a person had been boned the rest of the tribe would essentially like totally ostracize them would at a certain point offer them death rights like oh yeah you're gonna die and like after you've been bone pointed this like extreme sort of apathy this sense of like totally giving up on your own life as being like central to the reason why they died
2: so what i'm hearing is bone pointing is
1: cancel culture. <laughs> <laughs> these people who observed it saw an effect where like people just like froze as it was happening to them. They need to be pointed at and something needs to be said and you'd think you could just like be like, la 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 <laughs> run away. Like don't point that bone at me. Because bone pointing in these cultures was such a very serious thing that it was a like fate accompli that you were gonna die. And so you sort of just manifested your own death.
5: A self-fulfilling, bone-pointing prophecy. Yeah,
1: exactly. That makes a lot of sense in a horror movie, especially a like teen yeah. slasher movie, which this is borrowing from the sort of teen slashers of the 80s. That is America's, that is Western pop culture's sort of like death ritual.
2: The comparisons of Stones of Death to Nightmare on Elm Street are, are obvious. What I did like is that Nightmare starred John Saxon, but Stones of Death starred Anglo-Saxons? So exactly <laughs> <those> little... <laughs> uh, but I
4: feel like we should also say that they are attributed to the Arunta people, um, which this movie I don't believe attributes. I think they just use the term Aboriginal over and over again. But, yeah. you know, as we know, there are many different peoples that make up any indigenous uh, community in, in any one country. This
5: movie just furthered my absolute terror at everything in Australia that wants to kill you.
2: And not only will the animals kill you, but spirits will turn into the animals to kill you. Uh, I love when Tracy
5: wakes up and she finds that she has the stone. It flashes back to like 30 seconds earlier. (laughs) Yes, just in case you missed it. It's like, hey, remember this thing that just happened? Yeah. What's Uh,
4: that stone doing there? Oh shit, it's the stone from a couple seconds ago.
5: (laughs) (laughs) What? We cut to a different girl and it's very
2: confusing we cut to Gail right it's confusing because it's a different girl in a different house but seemingly with a continuity of motion in that we watch somebody wake up and then we and then we watch somebody completely different get ready for school and we didn't get a good like a really like awesome look at Tracy nor do we really get an awesome view of Gail and especially with the fact that they're all young white women getting ready for school wearing the same clothes
5: (laughs) the school uniforms don't help we cut from tracy waking up to a woman's foot stepping into dog food so you would you would not be crazy to think (laughs) oh Tracy got out of bed and then stepped in dog food. But no, it's Gail, this other girl who will be our protagonist for the rest of the film. Uh, her dad's there and they have to establish that it's her dad because they
2: are, as we said, five years apart. Yeah, relatively aged.
1: the same yeah. age. Right? They
2: established the hell out of that dog. They really yeah. Hannibal. Yeah. When we start to realize that the Kodichia man is willing nature to kill people, I was like, Hannibal gonna kill Gail. Like, yeah, that's yeah. where we're going with this <laughs> And when, and when they don't, I was like, what What the fuck did you, what were you
1: doing? Why like, did you name the dog Hannibal if you didn't want <laughs> us to think that? Well, he's just such a fan of Ottoman warlords.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we start to establish the fact that Gail and her dad have an uncomfortably weird relationship <laughs> in that he is trying to be young and hit on his co-workers in front of her. Greg, the music he was uh, listening to...
4: What? Act as though you like that music.
0: Oh, I do. Why, don't you? That's not the
4: point. You're a bit old for it.
0: A bit old? i you into the ground any day.
1: No, it was awesome. It was like the Pete and Pete opening intro music. <laughs> yeah, right? it
2: was very Polaris.
5: And this is the first instance of KXPZ Exposition <laughs> Radio, where we huh. get a bunch of exposition. But can from you call radio?
4: it exposition when none of it has any bearing on the plot? Because I wrote it down like it did. Because they're talking about they think a gain is responsible for six other attacks in twenty-two days, and I'm like, cool, that's going to be important. But it's not. It's just white noise. Emphasis on white.
1: I, I wasn't even sure what you meant. By radio exposition jokes. I don't remember it at all. <laughs> but maybe it was like early Kodaicha Kills. Is that the
5: sequel? Kodaicha
1: Kills? <laughs> Kodaicha Kills. As the movie goes on, these people lose their friends and get over them in very quick. So- <laughs> like, like, we don't know how many murders the Kodaicha has already committed, and they've, as a town, just like. Totally moved past live, it. Live
4: fast, die young, Casey. True, you know? right? <laughs>
1: I mean, it's a development. Every house is exactly like
2: every other house. You know, you die. The next every death is like person. every other death. You just get a new lease going.
5: Gail gets ready for school, leaves, gets in some guy's car. Her boyfriend, whose name do we ever get? Uh, Mike. No,
4: it's Mike. Yeah. No, Matt. Matt. matt god damn it insane. how do we <laughs> supposed to keep track of, of all skin? these white man names
1: it doesn't really matter so it doesn't much at all. It's inconsequential, which is. i did i did find my matt is a like hugely sympathetic character for me matt is yeah. getting railroaded at every like he yes like him and gail are an item but they see it seems to just be for his car do you
4: have to draw like, what we mean in apple 500 i'm trying to write him Matt.
1: Sorry, Trice. And they really don't respect his his music. There was a part of me that was like, when at the end he has been possessed by the Kadaicha. I was almost like, hell, revenge of Matt. Like if we, could, <laughs> if we could, if we could get the Aboriginal revenge and Revenge of Matt in one fell swoop, I'm happy. This is a good movie to me, yeah. baby. They didn't like his 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 beach rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody did. Wait, but th- but that's not true because Gail loved it. Gail was all about it. Eh, I don't know. They they didn't they seem were, very supportive.
2: What when they're at the river and he's playing a song on an acoustic guitar and they are fucking going
1: buck wild like they're at the electric zoo? <laughs> yeah. Uh that felt that felt pretty. That felt like they were laughing at him a bit. To me. oh, oh I don't oh, think so. No, no, no. No, no, I, that, no, I, I, like, a bit I like, like Matt because
4: he's also the one who is encouraging them to take action through this whole thing, where like he, yeah. d- he doesn't be like, Gail, you're crazy. You're not going to be killed. But he's like, we got to go talk to Billy Nudgel right now. <laughs>
1: uh, Gail runs out into Matt's car. Matt and Gail pick up Tracy. And this is what I was like,
4: oh, that's Wait, who no, that character they're is. They're friends, okay.
1: <laughs> right, they're friends, yep. Tracy from the opening. Yeah,
2: we're at the full house intro at this yeah. point.
4: Seatballs <laughs> off for pussies. <laughs> but
2: the first thing they do when they get to
5: school is talk about her weird dream and completely ignoring the teacher. And it really does feel like, yeah, that's that's what you would do. In high school, right. it's like fuck this. I'm just gonna like tell my friends about this crazy ass dream I had, and here's the stone. I brought it to school for show and
2: tell. But that's when we we established that Ms. Millhouse, their only oh my teacher, god. <laughs> should have been Ms. Exposition. Yes. and it's a good thing that she transferred here last year because otherwise they wouldn't have any idea what's going on. I love
4: right. her. Like usually in this kind of movie, they'll like spend a lot of time researching, and then there's this big relevatory moment where they're like, "Oh my god, this house was built on an Indian." burial ground instead you have mrs millhouse going like what's that thing oh boy that's a curse in many aboriginal tribes it was the equivalent of pointing
3: the bone the godaija man was a tribal magician if he gave you one of these it meant you'd broken tribal law and were condemned to
4: die it's no wonder you have it i mean your houses are built on an, on an aboriginal burial ground what oh you didn't know
2: oh weird that Ugh. i think that should have been number one what? thing you should have known before your dad didn't say anything that's
4: that's strange. bad, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, well, I'm sure it's nothing. <laughs> yeah,
4: <laughs> I love it. I, I, abs- I, love, I love her knowledge. I love her delivery. I love that we're not wasting time.
1: No, 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 honey. No, 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 honey. <laughs> Only if you have a dream where the Kondycha Man gives you the stone. She's trying to be Will helpful. you definitely die? No, oh, no, no. <laughs> also, I have a question to the class <laughs> and the global class, so please write it. <laughs> Do we all learn about the American? American? American Revolution. (laughs) Like as a planet species, are there Arunta uh, Aboriginal lessons being given on like Lexington and Concord? Like it just felt crazy because the one bit of teaching we see while our main characters are still like chatting in the back is just the teacher going. The American War of Independence. Like, that's what history class is, is you just list all the wars there's ever been, and then she says, okay, that's it for history, everyone. Feel free to lose all interest in this subject till you're over 50 and bored.
4: (laughs) (laughs) So, as we cut away from Trace contemplating her mortality, we cut to... Her then making out in the backseat of a car with her boyfriend. Her
1: her getting a different bone pointed at her.
4: (laughs) Tracy
2: is dry humping her boyfriend and (laughs) then they call into the bush, (laughs) pun intended, uh, (laughs) and their friends come out who have also been dry humping in right. the bushes. No, not in Australia.
4: Is, I am not trying yeah, to. Yeah, which think is any strange, any. also. <laughs> I
2: don't know about you guys, but my high school experience was not, hey, let's go be alone somewhere with our friends. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the movie is quite interesting in that it is an australian movie and it is heavily dominated by australian folklore and this is where you can tell that the movie is made for an american market or at least is completely underscored by puritanical values the movie is horny as hell and (laughs) everyone who dies has had a sexual experience in the movie
4: not Frankie he's a nerd Frankie
2: when he's at the library is told where oh. the, the quote-unquote yep. rude magazines are
4: all right, all right and not all
2: right. To, and not to stay in them and he kind of is like oh yeah sure and then like as the friends leave he has a moment where he's like huh <laughs> there is so so much phallic symbolism and so much overt sex most of the time it's like if you have sex you will die and this movie is like everyone has sex and they will die. But we
4: won't see any nudity. That's, that's
1: pretty true to life Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty true to life everyone has sex and everyone will die I mean correlation causation you deserve. <laughs> In American horror movies the idea of living without consequences is a punishable thing all the kids are free and like live without abandon they don't follow the rules of the school parents, nothing, <laughs> and for that they are punished. It's weird to think of the pre scene where like Tracy and her dude and the other two people show up at this makeout spot and have to like decide who gets to do it in the car and who gets has to go like outside. But in terms of teenage amour, that is that's not the weirdest position I was even in. <laughs> that would
2: be the reverse cowgirl. That would be the weirdest. Yeah, that, that's,
1: that's the uh... the upside down catamaran. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We call it Charlemagne's regret.
5: Tracy is not long for this film, though. I
1: sorry. I just want to say though, I did like. The, I don't. I, no segues. I don't know...
4: Casey will no, have I... no segues back to the plot. Yeah, making
2: hard for me to edit.
1: <laughs> well, we can't move on to Tracy's death without talking about the death that uh, millions of men go through every year when they are left unsatisfied by the frankly selfish and. Uh, culpable <laughs> women who refuse to fuck with
5: <laughs> Expiration of the
4: Brain This Expiration
2: is insane. of the Brain. Expiration of the Brain That was <laughs> that was the truest thing I think I've ever seen written for a high school character in a movie, ever.
4: <laughs> Take blue balls, but please make it deadly. <laughs>
2: if sexual tension is prolonged without release over a sustained period of time, the resulting lack of oxygen to the cerebellum can trigger a seizure of the cerebral hemisphere. Meaning? Expiration of
3: the brain!
0: In your case, Tang, you would notice?
1: That is the sort of madcap sexual assault that we all are sort of <laughs> encouraged to do. This is Australia's version of the dick and the popcorn.
2: Oh, yeah, totally, yeah, 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 to- yeah.
1: absolutely.
2: He put he put well, so he much put-
4: mustard on that line. Yeah. Oh, it's also so long put,
2: putting mustard on that particular line is a hot dog reference <laughs> that I'm <laughs>
1: uncomfortable about. He also put the same amount of research and academic vigor into trying to force her into as have sex as I did into the like kadicha diatribe i just went off on like that like he he did some like mid-level googling for that (laughs) i just imagine him he has like pages of gray's anatomy like all over his wall being like but how can it work it's all just like pieces of yarn drawn towards the pelvic area like it's gotta all work together somehow tracy like honks the horn and tells her other friends to like, let's go. I got to leave. And then when they don't immediately come by, he tries again. And this time it's not so funny. This time it's like he's pressuring her into doing something she has already now twice said no Mm -hmm. to. And it isn't. A fun moment again the verisimilitude of this to have a like madcap funny 80s ha 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 guy is trying to force a woman into sex ain't he incorrigible like one of those scenes that we see so much is then followed by a scene of him getting a little too forceful and it being real and like taking the humor out of that moment i liked i mean I didn't like it, but I like. (laughs) Right, it's real in that that
2: moment where it's like as you're coming into sexual blooming, you're testing the lines in a way that isn't good
5: Right. But is is
2: real. Like, is what what would often happen in in a moment like this in real life.
5: Tracy and the new girl whose name I don't think we get.
4: Yeah, she doesn't matter.
5: Are dropped off. And Tracy goes to walk through the park. Her friend warns her strongly against. And, like, not to
4: victim blame Tracy. But when if I had spent the day kind of worrying about my, like, "Hmm, what does this dream mean? Could it mean my impending mortality? Like, I would not want to walk through a park alone. Like, I'm just saying. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Especially at a moment where her friend is like, "There's weirdos, yeah, in the par- like, like there've been." People ne'er do wells even, and she's like, "I can give parts. you a
4: ride home. Like, just wait two <laughs> seconds, and like, well, I'll escort you home." And and Tracy's like, nah, I got it."
5: So she walks, and the ominous <laughs> didgeridoos return. The ominous
4: quick cuts yeah. to canine eyes, and then the ominous canine growls, and then POV of canine attack cam, and
5: then the ominous swings swinging on their own. Ooh. I loved that there were these playground swings that were like just swinging with nobody on them and then she turns
2: yeah. back and they stop. See, that's, a, that's another <laughs> moment where this movie is all about sex. She wants to swing.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and related to that, as Trace is attacked by this canine monster we don't see, uh, we cut to the inside of Romance being killed as Gail's uh, (laughs) dad's date kind of goes off the rails because nothing is more of a mood killer than the blood-curdling screams of a neighborhood teenager. What was that? It came from over in the park.
5: I better take a look. They find first Tracy's school bag, like, all torn apart, and then they find Tracy with her throat torn out. I like that the first thing they find is this—is just her backpack with like her homework everywhere. The dad like kneels down, picks up one of the pieces of paper, sniffs it, and he's like, hmm, an hour old. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she's strewn out over the seesaw with her throat ripped out. And this is traumatizing in the moment to Gail. Not traumatizing Circa the next morning, but, you know, it's a rough, rough moment. Yeah,
5: she gets over Trace's death fairly quickly.
4: And
2: as in a, a gnome named Gnorm... Like, immediately finds the small detail of the Kadaicha stone that is sitting on the ground
1: in the dark. And she's just like, yeah. wow. <laughs>
2: yes. Like, look at this. And somebody else is like, yo, don't touch that. This is a crime scene. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was actually maybe my favorite moment of the whole movie because that, uh, what I was expecting is she knelt down, found the Kadaicha stone, I was like, oh, she's just cursed herself. No. Like, she's taken the Kadaicha no, stone. No, as and she's Mrs.
4: Milhouse said, you need to be gifted the Kadaicha stone. Right. So, touch. You're right. I forgot around, that. It, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> but you can really just leave it, it Bill. It's it, fine. It, it,
1: it. It wouldn't matter because yeah, a fucking just a, a just cop is there to be like, hey, hey, drop that. <laughs> hey, what's <laughs> that drop, in your hand? Drop hands? it, drop it, drop it. You know, I I love to be subverted, and the, I thought it was going to be like, oh, this is maybe important. I'll put it away for my the teenagers' investigations. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, the cops were like, no, that's actually our job. Please put that down, ma'am.
2: Then we see Billy the Blue Ranger wake oh, up. Oh
4: yes, <laughs> yeah, yes.
2: Absolutely, right. and 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 he has clearly just had the nightmare. His stone's been gifted to him,
4: <laughs> been propped on his pillow like a mint in a hotel. <laughs> he had a very abridged version of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. still got yeah. the like stone being placed in your hand, skeleton yeah. in your hand. But yeah, you didn't have like the lawn ethereal walk through. Uh... He's
2: not wearing a, a nighty, so <laughs> it's right. less interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. There's nothing
1: to billow. That would have been so sweet if it had, like, cut, if everyone was wearing the same sort of, like, flowy silk nighty. All the guys too. <laughs> also, we haven't said exactly the dream involves like two major things. Walking through other people's poop is in barefoot is one of them. <laughs> in a, you see a dance troupe. Yeah, you, see you see a dance, dance troupe. It
2: is actually a dance it troupe. It is a dance troupe. Is it cool? right. oh, oh. In the credits, it says Aboriginal dancers by the Aboriginal dance troupe.
3: That's awesome. Oh, that's great. The troupe
1: though only really gets one move. They get to Vogue and then they uh, <laughs> are assimilated into the Living Force. You've <laughs> talked about the man. Man, does a little dance, a little jig of himself. In the movie, we are explained it also. Like yeah. we see at least the remnants of some kid being like, and then he put a crystal in my hand and had a scary face. Like understanding that like everyone who's has that dream has explained to all their friends exactly what the dream is. Yeah. <laughs> but yet they all still like yeah Do Trace,
5: it. I know, yes. you, you told me about this. I had the same dream. Yeah, so then
4: you have yeah. the question though, am I just dreaming this because Trace talked about it at lunch Ooh, today and I like had before bed.
2: I don't know how much experience you guys have with lucid dreaming. But I've had moments where I've thought that I've lucid dreamt, but it always returns to me that I'm like, am I lucid dreaming or am I having a dream that I'm lucid dreaming? <laughs> like like Whoa. is the is the part Inception. is the part yeah, is the part that I think I'm controlling just part of the dream? That is
1: quite literally inception.
2: <laughs> so the next day, everyone at their lockers is talking about how Tracy my had, favorite has, my favorite has, has made, yeah, has made uh, met her untimely demise. Oh, friend died. Right,
0: don, don. And, and it is a great
2: moment when Frankie literally appears from beneath them, <laughs>
5: He pops up from beneath frame. It's amazing.
2: <laughs> what
0: what was that about a stun?
2: I do guess that it could imply that there are bottom lockers, yeah. but I. Of choosing to believe that he's like the guy in the multi Meal commercial <laughs> being like there's also great cereals down here
5: <laughs> I love how Gail takes everything into her own hands and actually takes action because she Respect. runs to she's the got- teacher she runs to Mrs. Millhouse and asks about the stone and this is when she confronts her dad about it I love his response though when she's like you never told me it was on an, in, uh, an aboriginal barrier ground and he just says you were never interested <laughs>
0: I
1: felt her indignation was true in that it was unearned. (laughs) I'm not saying that the dad is right in this story. He is not. But like... All these like little prep school kids being like, "How dare you build on an Indian burial ground?" It's like, you do you know what keeps you in fucking chinos, you (laughs) (laughs) motherfucker? Do you you understand exactly who is benefiting from all of this misery
4: you are definitely in a private school based on the dress code. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah,
2: the 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 runner in this movie that I found particularly off-putting is how often. Gail has to go home to do something. (laughs) (laughs) They like have to do these reconnaissance missions for information. In like 15 minutes, Bert, and she's like, (laughs) I know we've got a few more friends that are going to die first, so I've got at least two or three days to figure
4: this out. You know, her boyfriend Matt asks, you know, what did he say? She's like, well, he dodged the question, so that means he's probably lying. Let's go make out, and that's what they go do.
1: Again, sweet baby Matt, like, he definitely comes on too strong like all the other guys in this movie. But then when she's like, "What are you in a rush?" She's like, "I'm sorry." And then, like they <laughs> go back to just, and he's like, "I'll, I'll give he you." He gives walk. her a back massage. Fucking love Matt. Yeah. Damn. Cr- damn. Matt. Matt's Matt's the best. Yeah. I but love. I was, Matt. I was so into. You Matt. have no
4: complaints from me. Matt. Like mine is like his possession's not his fault. So he's a great. He's a great. Yeah. Character. Right.
1: Oh. Oh. Whatever. Yeah. So what
2: you do under the influence of possession, <laughs> you just write it off. <laughs>
1: You can be possessed by a lot of things. You can be possessed by an aboriginal shaman's uh, revenge. You could be possessed by fear. Fear of uh, brain hemorrhaging from not (laughs) busting a nut at critical levels of nut busting. And you know what? Some people's actions during that time, and this is exactly what I told the judge, some people's (laughs) actions during that time is just simply not their fault. The blue balls are the true stones of
2: death.
4: (laughs) So we reconvene at the library where- Fizz interrupts. Fizz has been researching independently because she sees the writing on the wall. (laughs) Frankie is there doing research for his history project. And then the next scene,
2: Gail's back at her house. It's nighttime and Billy Nigel shows up to just reiterate all of the things that we've learned so far, just in case you're watching this on TV and you missed the first, (laughs) the, the part before the commercial break and you're like, fuck- What happened? He's like, it's cool, I got you. The street you live in, very bad place.
0: You leave, everybody leave. If you stay, more young white fella die.
2: They literally just saw they, his face they in just, the they, We just learned about him minutes ago, and he's like, "Oh, you've said my name three times in a mirror."
1: <laughs> when he comes in, I thought it was like perfect timing because there is literally, like a ver- it was literally perfect timing. But it's perfect timing for another reason. With just a just a dash off in the racial recipe, this movie could have been pretty offensive like this yes, movie could yes. have been like very i mean it is yes. still like uh, it is not a, not offensive necessarily but it is like
4: it's a white uh, it's a white lens we're watching we're, yeah. we're watching like th- they did their homework kind of but it's all done through a white lens and it's
1: very uh, exoticizing yes. of, of course of like of aboriginal culture that moment where they see his picture in the newspaper it's like i thought where the movie was going is like here is the face of who's responsible for all this death. And then to like meet Billy Nudgel in the next scene, being like, hey, actually, I'm friendly.
0: <laughs> it's like, I'm here to help, actually. <laughs> Got a bad rap. Yep. And
1: is like trying to warn them and get them out, and is like, not like, this is something you brought on yourself, but that doesn't mean we want you to suffer.
4: It's an interesting subversion because the revenge is usually, I, and I'll get into this in the ripoff report card, but the. The revenge aspect is the white lens, the white perspective in how these stories are told, because the ultimate atrocity was done to the people who are now haunting these white victims. And like, so it's interesting to see it from the revenge perspective, but it's still that's from uh, that's painting the picture that these new white protagonists are the are the victims and these people and their revenge story become just kind of the background upon which it's being painted and it's inconsequential and they kind of get erased a second time they're both visible and invisible in their own stories so at least in this case i i I appreciate that it wasn't necessarily entirely a revenge story (laughs) and that and that as they talk about the next scene mrs milhouse explains that the conversation is a lot more nuanced than that
2: (laughs) and also like also like kind of a nice a nice inversion of it in terms of like the white people like brought it on themselves completely.
5: Billy says that he's like he's back to warn her father again. Again.
4: As everything that was co- that causes what is to come is from white people's own atrocities and their fear that that same atrocity get, could get turned around back on them. And that's the the crux of this haunting basically.
1: This movie is in so many ways in both its verisimilitude and in its high concept. The point of this movie is colonial expansion is a crime for which there should be answers yes. for a movie that is still through a white lens. Mm-hmm. It's not like, this isn't a movie from the perspective of anyone but Gale and the kids. But.
2: Well, it, it, until the next scene when we start with a perspective shot from a spider. <laughs> oh, that's this, true. This one. So it's, right. it's, oh, white, I, it's a white oh lens and an erected lens. <laughs> I loved this.
5: This like I macro this. monster cam. I was, I was impressed. It, it no, was, it
2: was awesome. To be honest, I actually don't know how they did that I because was if you just if you just put a thirty five millimeter camera on the ground, it doesn't look like that.
1: No. Yeah. No, there are lenses that are specifically like you know it's a Chili's ad and you need to really like travel across those Got like grill marks on a piece of chicken breast <laughs> or something. You know.
2: It's a cool stylistic choice in. A movie that doesn't really, like, break out of its stylistic chains very often. There's a little bit of panache, it looked good, but it is serving the actors less creating atmosphere other than the scenes and the, the dream sequences. And this is a moment where we really get, like, a bit of directorial flair and, and cinematography flair that I, that I think, like, really works. It's also something
5: that, like, I haven't really seen even in other movies of bigger scale or, you know, like, not caliber, but more popular films. Like, I haven't seen a spider cam like that before and it was it was super cool. Get yeah. me pictures of spider
1: cam. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like narratively perfect that type of lens is called a probe lens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're right, Greg. You're you're making me realize like how little of this movie was sort of like stylistically loud. Almost none of it, really. The fact that it that it was
2: playing it straight kind of like helped the believability factor,
1: which is nice. Mm,
2: yeah, but it does sort of really highlight and underline the moments when they are using something more stylish and like like a moment like this where it's like it is really effective in a way that I appreciate because sometimes when a movie plays it really straight visually and then tries to do the thing where they're like okay, like, we clearly didn't have a lot of money, so then we got the Evil Dead cam for this one scene. <laughs> yeah, it feels yeah. it feels really out of place, and it feels really rushed. Yeah,
5: yeah. It's, it's less like we're playing with a cool toy and more of, like, here's a statement we're making with this
1: equipment. You're not really sure the nature of the kills and the reveal of this, like, l- a long, really stylistically interesting point of view as a f- funnel spider... <laughs> The Ugh. fact that this movie then becomes like Kadaija Man's killing people with the the animals of
4: the Australian Outback, Of
1: the world's deadliest
2: wildlife. Yeah, country. The non-fictional animals. Yeah, that's what these are
4: has. real.
1: But also not the. That's the thing. Is it's not the. It's not the animals of the Australian Outback. It's the animals of the Australian suburbs. <laughs> like the, yeah, yeah.
2: Australia is just replete with the world's scariest animals.
1: I'm very happy to live in a place where the, the animal that will kill you is is, is man. man. Yeah. His <laughs> neighbor.
2: Australia is 100% one of those places where man has settled despite nature being like Off limits, right? (laughs) Like Phoenix, Arizona, the state of Florida, and the country (laughs) slash continent of Australia, nature has been like, just not here. And we were like, hell no, there. Right. (laughs) And Australia
1: (laughs) is really, it's like one big Phoenix, Arizona surrounded by Florida. (laughs) It's like, that is like really what the place is.
5: We see that the macro lens is this giant fucking spider that leaps onto Frankie's face and bites him in the eye! Eye! He bites him in the eyeball! No.
1: But doesn't have to make quite that big a leap because Frankie, ever the scholar, (laughs) really gets in there to investigate. Like, what is this thing?
2: (laughs) I think Frankie gets a lot of characterization in a really short amount of screen time and then dies the worst way ever in the history of movies. The idea of a huge spider jumping onto my eye and biting the shit out of me
1: is the worst.
5: Like a true nerd dies screaming for a teacher <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: the fact that it could be any goddamn animal of the Australian biome is like interesting and fun you didn't yeah. know where they were gonna go next and whether is, like, you're croc- alone
4: or not as like the next right. kill will also show right and different right is than, a croc um, gonna
1: eat someone is like a kangaroo gonna like punch someone co- to is death is a koala they gonna, con- gonna
4: rip someone's face off <laughs>
1: or like are you gonna contract chlamydia from a koala you don't know you <laughs> just don't know are
2: you putting your dick in koalas,
4: Casey? <laughs> Gotta stop
1: doing that. I mean, uh, <laughs> if I have reached a like certain dangerous level of backup. Oh, if you're gonna have brain explosion. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so now Fizz is having the prophecy death dream. Uh, and she knows what's coming, but still kind of goes through the motions for it.
1: There is a level, though it is in a dream, and and you're right, we don't know how lucid this dream is, because it could just be they are like pulled towards their fate they are still pulled towards their fate whether they are doing it out of just a teenage sense of like oh i gotta keep walking i gotta know what's behind this cave like what's this all about or like that same bloody mary Candyman thing of like don't say this word in the mirror and you're just like oh, I gotta gotta say the word in the mirror to see if it's real. I gotta watch that ring tape. All my friends have seen it. I don't want (laughs) to be the only one without something to say around the water cooler on Monday. There is like
2: a level. If that was (laughs) was truly the plot of the ring, it's just like, Listen, I know my friends are dying, but it can't be that. I just got to watch it. Oh, no, You're it's right. people cutting off their dicks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be left out of the chat at the office the next day. So
2: you got to watch. The-
1: How about that girl in the well, right?
5: Didn't right. see that
1: coming. And then in a week, there's still like two people left in the office and one to the other is like, I knew you didn't watch it. I knew you fucking did it. <laughs> then uh miss millhouse after they find frankie she like confronts gail and matt and tells them a little like a little further explanation about the kodichia but also to just to
4: hey let's
1: let's not go shouting around at all these like rugby pubs and yes uh,
4: (laughs) again talking about the subversion of it all that like Yes, Mrs. Milhouse is concerned that clearly there is a curse, it is real, and it is killing her students methodically one by one. But her bigger concern is like, um, listen, if you tell people, specifically white Australians, <laughs> an aboriginal curse is killing their white teenagers, we are going to have a bad String of hate crimes And like you can't yeah. be You can't have this blood on your hands It is a
2: baffling scene though Just cinematically speaking In terms of the <laughs> So the, the sheer amount Of information <laughs> yes. That could spew yeah. from one character's lips <laughs> In such yeah. rapid succession It really felt like They had shot the entire rest of the movie And they were like
1: Oh no Odida <laughs> century. <laughs> a group of young black people, they would have been about your age, were attacked by a gang of bushrangers. They were all killed. The girls were raped first. When the tribe found the bodies, they had no way of knowing who was responsible, so they buried them on sacred ground, where your street is now. And then, in understandable anger, they attacked a nearby white settlement. The next day, whites from all over the country banded together in an armed hunting party, probably including the bushrangers who had started the trouble in the first place. They hunted the tribe down, and shot dead every last man, woman, and child. Now, if people were to get the idea that Aborigines were responsible for what happened to Frankie and Tracy, they would have history repeating itself. That's why I want you to be careful what you say. Am I talking fast?
3: It feels weird that I'm talking so
1: fast. It was a bit like she explained Kadaicha and then needed to explain the side effects of Kadaicha <laughs> right after that. Like, Ask really, your doctor like a warranty. Right for you.
5: The police are now tailing... Uh fizz her boyfriend gail and
2: her boyfriend
4: because even though they don't have evidence like yeah this is a string of teenage murders i guess we'll uh <laughs> something's
2: gonna right. happen o- on the beach fizz realizes that the drainage pipe that's been in everyone's dreams is actually just at the end of the beach and so they they go to check it out and they don't find anything they just kind of go like all right let's go <laughs> swimming right go <laughs> <laughs> right. swimming. that's good all right gail's boyfriend is playing the guitar
5: uh adequately <laughs> and the cop how d- again
1: How trailing dare you? them I, I don't understand why why there's so much animosity towards matt he's just trying to express himself
0: when we wake up wake up in the morning
1: You can see in the way they are celebrating this song, they think it sucks. And look, it does suck, but he's 16. I don't know, they are hamming it up. They're having like a two lady
2: pit. That dude in his zebra-striped, long shorty boys, looks like he's about to leap out of his fucking skin. He's so excited to hear music.
1: (laughs) Maybe you didn't experience it like I did, but if there was one surefire way to bully someone in high school, it was to be over-enthusiastic about something they were vulnerable to. Oh, about. this
4: is wildly <laughs> specific. But I think
1: throughout this mo- like, at the very beginning, when Matt, who drives everyone everywhere, picks Tracy and Gail <laughs> That's up. Tracy's real. Like- That's real shit. Yep. Tracy's like, I oh, don't drive so fast, Matt. And he's like, okay, I'm, you know, you're welcome, by the way, for the ride to school, <laughs> never mind. And then, like, the- he's playing a song, and they're all like, woo! We love it. Hey, I'm going crazy. This song's so good. And then they're practicing for the band later, and the principal's like, this sucks. Well, that's a principle. And like, oh, so that's a principal. The, 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 fr- the friends are like, no, this is an institutional failure to protect our sweet baby, Matt. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't freak out and try to stab people earlier. <laughs> You're playing with dynamite here.
2: And so after, after a rollicking round of blues walks, I did want every, yeah. every, everyone, I one, of yeah,
5: my wait, fa- yeah. one of my favorite lines, which was, One of the cops in the car turns the other one
2: and says, You think that's one of them getting killed or what? (laughs) Ice cold. So much disrespect. I love that. So much disrespect. I mean, to be fair, this movie does not like cops very much.
5: This is where Fizz meets her untimely end. She's coaxed into joining everyone swimming. In the billabong. In the billabong. And I love, love how they pull this off.
2: This is probably the most unrealistic part of the movie in terms of like, it is 1988. They're teenagers. They've definitely seen horror movies before. Yeah. <laughs> she knows that she's going to die. And she's like, oh, I will willingly go into the murky water <laughs> area. No. Come on
4: but if they left her if she didn't go in and they all yeah. went in the water without her like she would have been like FOMO per- too much FOMO yeah. e- well and killed she would have, she would have died of FOMO, FOMO. Yeah.
1: <laughs> if two of my friends had just died violently I think I'd take a day off from going to the beach and playing fucking that thing you do yeah on the- <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like guys I'm not really in the mood I think I'm gonna stay home actually today. <laughs> yeah. but they all get over it They're all- they are all want to keep living yep
4: which Fizz uh, hangs a lantern on like earlier yeah. in the film she does go to jail she's like your best friend died like yesterday. Are you okay? She's like, yeah, no, it sucks. I feel really sad, but what else are you going to do? Like,
2: I'm just, (laughs) which is is exactly what the school says. When they're like, three kids have died. Do we want to cancel the dance? And they're like, nothing bad has ever happened at a school dance.
4: Deeply Heather's. It's like, like, that just curbs straight from Heather's. Like, I get it, but like, we can't kill morale.
1: What? <laughs> that's also by the way that's that's the dad's justification sure i built on an ancient burial ground but what are you gonna do <laughs> there's only so much do? land that in we in australia can build on. <laughs> right.
5: so the boyfriends uh dive down into the water and fizz thinks that like one of them is tickling her from underneath the water but one pops up, and then she's like, "Oh no, stop,
3: stop!" Oh, you're right, right. Me.
2: And th- and this is like a moment where it's like it's like, "Oh no, it's not her boyfriend; it's the other guy, and he's sexy tickling her." And and then and her... not him either. Yeah, and Gail is a little like, "Haha, ha, Matt's really going for it." <laughs> yeah. But yeah. then we... he doesn't like, do that for me while. very <laughs> often.
5: But then Matt pops up, and
2: oh no, it's a giant.
5: Fucking
1: eel. <laughs> when they finally find her body because they go on a search that is maybe like the most visceral experience in the movie for me was the thought of like They call the cops over and all the three remaining kids and the two cops are just like walking through murky waters hoping to trip over their friend's body. Hours (laughs) later.
2: Hours pass. It is nighttime. Well, it's hours later and after being berated by the cops for the intermittent amount of time. Those cops are like, you piece of shit, I will beat your ass if you don't tell me how your friend died.
1: (laughs) There you go. That's policing. That's policing.
4: When they find the body, they see a glimpse of what it was, and one of the cops goes, "Did you see that? Yeah, what? What was that? An eel? It was either the Loch Ness monster or the biggest fucking eel."
1: And then, what is like lead detective potatoes oh, yeah. line Dog savage enough to kill a teenage girl. a Spider with the
3: fastest acting venom in history, and now a giant hill that thinks it's a boa constrictor. What the hell is going
5: on? So now that this is gone. It's Gale's turn, and I love the twist here on the dream. So this is like the third time we've seen this dream sequence, so we know the beats.
1: but Yeah, we know what's happening. This one's we got, got a we twist. Got, we, we, yeah, we got a little Cirque du Soleil up front, yeah. but that's just a taste. It disappears. <laughs> Tracy and, and then Fizz are like dancing
5: along the cave in their dressing gowns. And right. Gale is following, and then she passes the same tribe members. But when she's about to go and meet the shaman, she turns and runs away. <laughs> she's
4: like, "Nah, nah."
5: Which, yeah,
4: nah, that's bitch. the right thing nah, to bitch. do. Nah, <laughs> bitch. She's like,
2: ah ah, ah, "Ah, ah, But then we get this great like almost evil dead shot of yeah her. They, yeah they put her on the dolly with yeah. the camera and they just move the dolly it's so <laughs> good. Yeah. It's fucking
5: cool straight back and she's pulled back to the shaman and she's like struggling but then he gets the upper hand and opens her hand shoves the, the stone in it she wakes up and then she's throws
1: the stone across the room because she knows she's lost it's like a spike lee shot when she dollies mm. in. Mm-hmm. But not like the American filmmaker. Spike Lee is what they uh, call looking in the camera lens in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got a Spike Lee. Oh, you did a Spike Lee. I <laughs> know <laughs> she's going all Spike
5: Lee. <laughs> Gail wastes no time. She calls Matt and she's like, we're going.
2: And they go and... I would love to be a fly on the wall if that really happened in real life. And she calls Matt in the middle of the night and Matt it, like wakes up. And he's groggy, and it's his girlfriend. I bet he's like, let's do this, babe. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then she's like, great, we're going to go bust down the wall. And he's like, if that's what you call it, <laughs> sure. <laughs> they
5: knock down the wall in the Storm Drain, which is not a euphemism. Well, you can. <laughs> And find the cave. The more I talk, it
1: sounds more like a euphemism.
5: (laughs) And then they find the shaman
1: inside. I can't get away from it. They walked into the tunnel and hit the back walls. I understand. (laughs) We should be so lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fuck yeah, (laughs) man. My man. My man hitting back walls. They find the
5: shaman in the cave. (laughs) Oh, God, make it stop. And... A guard, but a guard finds them. Well, they find a, guard.
4: yeah, they find a skeleton. They like, find a skeleton. Yeah, it's not, a, it's not the shaman no, no, yeah, yeah, is not right. standing there. We should it's, qualify yeah, it's a dead body. Because
5: that would be plausible in a horror film. It is the skeleton, the mummified skeleton of the shaman. Yep. And they're, but they're caught by a security guard who brings them to Gale's dad. This time when Gale confronts her dad, he does cop to the fact that they found the cave during construction, but he's like, well, what are you going to do? And we kept building.
2: Yeah. <laughs> One thing about this movie that it has above every other movie is the ability to phone the Heritage Commission, which is just not a thing that has ever yes. happened in any other movie, I think. So that's yeah, Well, that's like, notable. America
4: would laugh in your face. It's like, I'm going to call the National Historic Society, it. like, <laughs> all right, capitalism, bitch. <laughs>
2: The <laughs> Yeah, I think if somebody was like, I'm going to call the historical society, they'd be like, if they pick up.
4: <laughs> but Matt really, like, become, like, really puts on the big boy pants for that conversation with his girlfriend's dad to be like, you're not, you're never going to get away with this. And her dad's like, I literally already did. I don't know, like, yeah. what less I could get away with if we tried at this point.
5: Gail pulls the, I'm going to call the society card. And for some reason, Oh, dad caves. folds, like, a wallet. Yeah, yeah. He gives them the uh, the address of Billy nudgell. he says
2: we were already there. he's not there, but they go anyway. and this we have this this discussion of the school dance that's coming up. and so me, being a horror movie fan is mm-hmm. like, like okay, we have Nightmare on Elm Street, we have Poltergeist, we're gonna end it Carrie.
5: Yep. The logical seems, conclusion. Seems now,
2: plausible. No, they make just quite a lot of bones about how important bones. the school dance is. And we have a, a new character introduced <laughs> just to discuss the fact that the yes, in fact, the school dance is still on, we can't kill the morale here, and is also pointing with his presumably filled coffee cup yeah. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> That was
1: really wicking me out. I was just like, "Dude, what are you doing?" Nah, yeah, he's like the lieutenant in the fucking Great Escape. Yeah. He's just walking around like saying, "Yeah, sorry about your dead friends, but stiff up a lip."
4: Never before has like a third act set piece been more inconsequential to the plot of the movie. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs>
5: truly. Yeah, like incredibly set up and never paid off. But like,
4: like they're there. It's
1: really only there so that we can once again talk down to my my sweet baby Matt. We gotta like ru- make him feel like an idiot because him and him and the boys are like rehearsing in an earlier scene and the principal is you call uh, that music ma- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah wher- all that ruddy noise
2: where have I seen this before a principal mm. and a band mm. playing basically Johnny be good mm. and it doesn't mm. Mm. your kids are gonna love it <laughs> it's me your cousin <laughs> Bruce <laughs> Bruce Barry <laughs>
5: Galen Matt. Drive up to Billy Nudgel's address.
3: Yeah, His Billy granddaughter
5: Nudgel. brings them back to brings him into the house to talk to him, and he explains that the Kedikha man can turn into animals and follow her wherever she goes. So basically there's no fucking escape.
4: Yeah, once you're marked for death, like there's yeah. nothing you can do. What you should have done was move when I told <laughs> you to move. But now, like, there's right. nothing you can do. Sorry. The police show up to be like uh, hey, we've been trying to speak to this Billy Nudgell guy. Do you guys see him? And Gail, because she's a baller and uh, knows, checks her privilege, goes, nope, he wasn't home. Ally. My bad. <laughs> and right. Billy Nudgel's granddaughter respects this.
5: Yeah, she clocks that.
4: You know, that was the cops outside. Wanted to
3: know if you were here. Well, she told them no.
1: She did another thing in that scene, too, which I found was very interesting. She made me fall in love with her. <laughs> I didn't know my type was uh, Australian Aboriginal, like, Lisa Bonet, (laughs) like like Vanity on the Outback. I had no idea. Yeah, but dab a didgeridoo. (laughs) Gail
5: is continues to be haunted. This scene is amazing. She goes to like wash her hand, and when she does, the stone appears in her hand. One of the bathroom stall doors starts banging open and closed. The lights flicker. It's a very like Evil Dead thing. I was very into it. And then a hand reaches up from the
2: drain and grabs her foot but before that we do have f- drain pov shot which in a horror movie is never good <laughs> no.
5: i love she turns around and she sees fizz and tracy all bloody and dead talking about what they're gonna wear to the the to the dance
2: yeah it's like a little american werewolf in sydney
4: <laughs> what are you gonna wear tonight Oh, this great low-cut black morticia dress with these great green shoes. It sounds fantastic. So I love that the Kodaitra man basically is messing with her at this point. Like he's like, we could have had easy deaths, like your other friends. We could have just like called it, called it quits, you die. But nope, you wanted to play it the hard way. So now I'm going to haunt you until you until we can.
1: Yeah, you couldn't have kept this between us. You had to go to Billy Nudgell, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> and
5: she runs out screaming, rightfully so. Matt. Drives her back home because she always wants to just go fucking home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's, she's like, like home is hey, the problem, too, so I need to be <laughs> no. closer to it. And yeah. he's gonna go get help from Billy Nudgel. He's like, fuck this, we're getting Billy. Billy agrees to help, uh, and he t- and he has the other boyfriend, whose name I never got, follow him on foot through like the bush while Matt dr- is gonna drive over to the house. And we spend like a long time. On Matt's face while driving, which we'll come back later because something's happening to Matt. It's a cool
4: shot. It's,
5: it's pretty cool. It's like a slow push in. Yeah. Like yeah. It feels music.
4: very Ryan Gosling in Drive. Like
5: <laughs> Billy, Nudgel, and the other boyfriend walk through the storm drain and they go into the cave. Billy lights a fire and he starts doing the shaman's dance from the dream.
2: And Gail is at home and her dad is kind of grilling her for no particular reason and because she like she interrupted him making a phone date he's like I'm gonna go feed my dog because that's (laughs) what I do and he ends up going into the garage and as if in to catch a predator all the doors close (laughs) behind him can you have a seat
4: please (laughs) take a seat please
1: you said here you wanted to blank on our burial blank
4: (laughs)
5: It's made even better when Gail comes over oh, and yeah. the d- and the dad says, Gail, I've locked myself in," and she says, "This door doesn't even lock." <laughs> <laughs> and this is when Matt has driven up to the house. He sends the cops away, which is our second sign that something's up with Matt. Gail hears Hannibal's barking and it like stops abruptly. She goes out uh, to the pool and finds uh, his body floating there. Boom! Uh, well, and we get and we get the
2: the scream like turn on all the lights close up of the
1: of the thing that we're that you know like that we're supposed to see which is cool it's horrible and i don't like seeing the doggo die but uh we don't actually necessarily know for sure it was possessed matt who did it maybe uh hannibal just needed to come and couldn't (laughs) continuing
5: to be an amazing final girl gail Uh, Just pulls a knife from the kitchen.
2: Not not a knife. No, no, a A saber. This is a knife, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Gail lets
5: Matt in, but he has snake
3: eyes.
5: Yes. So he's possessed.
1: Uh, and one is, like, slightly yeah, askew. Yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was, that was, the contact that was so like- sweet. Matt's been possessed or something. I, wh- whoa, that contact is just <laughs> not in, right?
5: He's got one lazy eye as a possessed person. <laughs>
4: Yeah. And this begins our like shining so motif, good. basically, because we've got Matt chasing her around the house with like a sledgehammer. We've got while her dad is also trying to break through the door. Granted, he's not the killer, but the imagery is there. Yeah, he yeah.
2: axes through the door. And really the sweetest moment in this whole sequence is when Matt ends up with the knife and tries to stab her. And she fucking <laughs> deflects it with a book, Yeah, which is sick.
1: Yeah, knowledge is power.
2: <laughs> and the knife like goes right through the book
5: he's uh he starts to like choke her out and we get an
2: amazing cutaway amazing
5: yeah In the, the band
2: action. is whiffing it right now <laughs> yeah. because matt's not there their trusted band leader is not there and and uh, and the second guitarist who earlier <laughs> Like couldn't hold down a riff in C, right? It's just like I don't know these songs. <laughs> yeah,
4: he's like, where did Matt go? Cut back to Matt strangling Gail. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, Matt writes all the songs. He's not there. The other kids are on stage, being like, please, can we stop performing? I what like, with our band members not here, can we stop? And the principal's like, no, it's necessary for the school. We need to get
5: past. This. This. Billy performs a ritual. Her dad gets out of the garage. He tries to stop Matt, but Matt overpowers him. And then the shaman skeleton bursts into flames. And there's an, in another cool stylistic choice. It's overlaid with um, Matt's face melting and then like turning back to normal and then he just like passes out
4: the imagery of the exorcism of matt was very very cool
5: at the house the police are showed up and so has billy nudgel and he tells gail's dad that like the rest is up to him like at this point he's done everything he could do he's exercised the demon like if you if you want this shit to end this is on you buddy which is like kind of great
4: it's like no 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 you don't get to keep living consequence free like i saved your daughter's life but mm, it's not gonna stop these guys I, I i bought you two three days at most i don't know get get out of here
5: and we cut to the storm drain and we get exposition radio telling us yeah. that this entire street has to be moved because of bad you know foundation
1: what? To fucking dad's credit, man, like, I was so sure that this was going to be like, you got to get out of here, the rest is up to you, more people are going to die, unless you leave, and then the dad be like, yeah, <laughs> 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 I was not expecting a, an entire community to be moved for the yeah. sake of, you know, that doesn't happen to white no. people.
5: Just this once, the cave is cemented over, and as the film departs where you have a lingering shot the film of...
4: departs sorry just the phrase as the film the departs film. <laughs> as the film as the departs shuffles
5: off this More... mortal film reel <laughs> yeah
1: just Josh standing on a seaside cliff, waving a hanky at the at, at <laughs> stones of death on a ship, while, <laughs> sailing away. Oh.
0: Bon voyage! Have a nice Areva trip! voyage!
2: <laughs> a snake
5: slithers across the trowel.
2: End film! Well, end not film. end film. Cut to cut. End credits with a song that sounds like Hootie and the Killer Blowfish. <laughs> right.
5: 16 summers, out a lifetime. Noises,
3: also in too.
4: Australia, killer blowfish, obviously. <laughs> obviously.
1: I come from a land out under. <laughs> Neath my house where you plundered. <laughs> my culture and it made my bones in. <laughs>
0: Two stuff that I'll kill you with a scorpion.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So this is me, Mr. Brad Idea. I'd like to introduce a guest for our ripoff report card. (gasps) Ms. Jamie Kennedy!
4: The Stones of Death Ripoff Report card is brought to you by the Kangalula Funeral Home and Mortuary. Didgeri, don't be caught off guard by end of life plans. We've got your down under, covered. <laughs> the Indian burial ground trope is a motif that runs so deep in film history that it sometimes is even attributed to classics that never evoked it. In an example of the Mandela Effect, many people believe the movie Poltergeist was one of the originators of the trope, despite that the fact that the film explicitly says the house isn't on top of an ancient tribal burial ground. <gasps> yeah, it's just a cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> but that collective misunderstanding just goes to show how prevalent the trope is in our consciousness. But what is its history? The Indian burial ground, or IBG for short trope, is generally (laughs) traced back by horror fans to the 1977 book The Amityville Horror and later the 1979 film Adaptation. In the book, the owners of the house, the Lutz family, claimed that their house was built on some sort of sanitarium used by the Shinnecock Indians, in which the sick and dying were imprisoned to die horrible deaths. Claims that the Amityville horror was based on a true story gave the IBG theory legs and skyrocketed its popularity as a plot device in the late 1970s and 80s in a handful of horror properties, including The Shining, Kubrick's version, Pet Cemetery, Silent Hill, Revelation, and the 1983 B-movie, Scalps. The problem, however, besides it just becoming a crutch for hand-waving away the origin of spooky scaries in horror films, is that it's not a real thing. Pre-Columbian peoples identified as hundreds of totally different communities, families, and nations without many similarities between them, and there was no universal concept for the burying and treatment of the dead, or an IBG. Some communities held higher reverence for the dead than others. Some communities held the belief that hauntings can arise from the mistreatment of the dead. But this is also a superstition shared by other cultures from the Thai to Ashkenazic Judaism. So there's nothing particularly quote unquote Indian about it. In fact, with the Amityville horror, although all land is native land, the Shinnecock people lived on the opposite end of Long Island from where the house was built. Also, the Montaukit Nation, closely related to the Shinnecock, have repeatedly denied anything like the sanitarium ever existed, and from what's known of Shinnecock myths and legends, they didn't appear to have any notable burial ghost myths. So with none of it rooted in fact, how did the IBG trope gain so much prevalence? IBGs don't really add anything to a plot that a regular cemetery couldn't do. Native writer Terry Jean gave five possible theories in her essay Another Indian Burial Ground, please. <laughs> one, the I-
5: <laughs> That's a fucking great title.
3: Sick.
4: One, the IBG plot worked in one movie, so keep writing it as long as it sells. Two, graveyards are well marked, while an IBG could be anywhere, a writer's plot contrivance dream. Three, a native villain plays into stereotypes that have been around since colonization. Four, people are afraid of what they don't know. And five, fear and guilt, stating, quote, Indians are so incomprehensible to whites as to seem virtually magical, which is scary. And of course, many post-Columbian immigrants harbored massive unresolved guilt over the fate of the pre-Columbian peoples and feared retaliation. American consciousness of indigenous communities hit a relative high around the time of the Amityville horror as well. The book was not long after the famous crying Indian anti-littering ad of the 1970s which shifted the perspective of the American Indian from the fearful, savage imagery to something more akin to a survivor. As the trope emerged, so did many organizations, such as the American Indian Advocacy Group and the Trail of Broken Treaties. The Indian Civil Rights Act was passed in 1968. In 1978, the American Indian Religious Freedom Act reversed the outlaw of specific practices and ceremonies. The sudden allowance, at least on paper, of practices that had once been seen as too mystical and esoteric, at least to white perspectives, led to a rise in the exploration of fear of non-monotheistic religions and beliefs in cinema. Indigenous peoples were collectively on everyone's minds, and thus fiction latched onto it. I'll buy it all entirely from a white perspective. Again, Terry Jean explains, Americans know that atrocities were committed and hundreds of nations were obliterated or nearly obliterated. Retribution is feared and some people may believe that the ghosts of those who died, died to this nation's invasion and European takeover, will one day come back to get their revenge. So if this tradition of exacting atrocities on Indigenous peoples and then fearing retribution is as American as well, exacting atrocities on indigenous peoples and then fearing <laughs> retribution,
3: <laughs> how do we
4: see this trope evolve and emerge in other countries' national cinema? It takes shape in the form of other oppressed peoples or others. Familiar plot lines such as the curse of the pharaoh, gypsy curses, voodoo, and the African burial ground trope. There is no shortage of sources for horror films that can center the fear of other for white protagonists. Australia, the country behind our movie today, is a particularly interesting case study. Australian horror movies were largely non-existent before the 1970s, and since then have struggled to gain acceptance with local audiences. 2005's Wolf Creek was the first genuine Aussie horror to score major domestic commercial success. Hmm. The reason for this is from 1949 to 1968, almost every horror movie was banned in Australia, so there was no incentive to make them. Horror in America and Europe drew on authors such as Edgar Allan Poe and Bram Stoker with stories that drew from rich folklore and centuries-old superstitions, traditions you don't get in a sparsely populated land that only had been settled by Europeans in 1788. Tales from Australia instead focused on pioneer life in harsh landscapes and isolation. Australian horror was therefore not only late to the game, but also suffered from cultural cringe, as coined by Melbourne social commentator A.A. Phillips, to describe the sense of cultural inferiority Australians felt, believing horror was best done by Americans and Europeans. It only began to find its feet in the late 1970s, when Italian producer Anthony E. Gennane produced a series of Ozploitations films, <laughs> and would later find slightly more prominence in the 2000s indie circuit with James Wan and the Saw franchise and Jennifer Kent's The Babadook. Still, despite all its shortcomings, it's easy to see the IBG trope and its theme of otherness through a white lens find its way into some Australian horror, including this film and 1988's The Dreaming, which also deals with the opening of an aboriginal tomb and the spirits coming to exact revenge centuries later. Australia, after all, much like America, was built on white settlers displacing indigenous peoples. So what's the future of the IBG trope? Well, hopefully there isn't much of one. After an oversaturation of media in the 70s and 80s, IBGs became largely relegated to punchlines and parody. And that's probably for the best, as in mainstream cinema, it renders indigenous people both hyper-visible and invisible. Although the stories on the surface are about them and the atrocities committed upon them, at the end of the day, whiteness is centered, and their stories are relegated to how they impact white people past and present. In her essay, this essay was not built on an Indian burial ground. Writer Ariel Smith... <laughs> Sp-
2: <laughs> okay. Man, they got, they got good they titles they, for these they essays. They nailed
4: these. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Writer Ariel Smith says, as indigenous peoples, we understand this violence, we understand genocide and trauma, we understand horror, we live it every day. But still, horror movies that utilize those very specific historical horrors use it only in a way that plays into the quote, white delusions of ownership, entitlement, and victimization. That whiteness is a standard that is disrupted or haunted by otherness. Even in the ways that Stones of Death try to subvert these tropes, whatever good intentions we can see in that subversion is then subverted, again, by its filmmakers. Director James Bogle calls Called this movie just very commercial stuff and has never really elaborated beyond that. <laughs> Moving forward, there's perhaps no redemption for the IBG trope, as long as it's in the hands of white filmmakers. Even hauntings can be spaces for decolonization and revolution. So perhaps it's best to turn our attention to movies in the horror genre made by native filmmakers. Some examples being He Can't Be Caught, These Walls, The Deadlands, and the works of filmmaker Jeff Barnaby. And just stage your next haunted house on top of your regular run-of-the-mill cemetery, please. And that was the ripoff report card.
2: Yeah. Yeah! Jamie, I can't wait to hear your follow up about the etymology of swamp
1: gas. I come from a land down underneath your house because you plundered <laughs> my culture to make your backyard. <laughs> and guys will die if they just stay hard. <laughs> so don't stay hard. <laughs> Rip rip off rip 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 off
3: report card rip 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 off rip rip off card
1: Bathroom stallers and nonstop blue ballers Anyway that is Stones of Death also known as Kadaicha What are we taken away from this film? What could end up on the final test? It's just confirmed everything I've
5: always feared. Australia looks beautiful. I would love to travel there someday, but I don't want to because everything there will kill me.
4: <laughs> yeah,
2: you know what I always say, Freddy Krueger. I hardly knew her. <laughs>
1: Do always say it and it never made sense
2: <laughs> right until
4: right <ready>. now
1: <laughs> stopped clock handsome. This is
4: a little another little nugget in the rich history of the IBG trope. Lake Shawnee Amusement Park was founded in nineteen twenty six in West Virginia. Uh, In 1783, three settler children were rumored to have been murdered by a Native American tribe and their family later sought vengeance and killed several Native Americans. So they believe this amusement park has been cursed because of that. Uh, In the 1950s, two young children died tragically and violently during two accidents in the park, and six people total were rumored to have died there. And it was closed until the 1980s when they tried to reopen it again, only to find the remains of 13 Native American bodies on the site, most of them children. The park was closed. Um, So it's hard not to see the parallels between this cursed park and the preventative retribution of white settlers on a Native American tribe. And this park that has been cited in the scariest places in America as maybe also another influence for the plot of Stones of Death. What? Yeah. It
2: also should have been the plot of Funland. Yes! (laughs) Yes! Yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, Also, that was great, Jamie, and uh, that's good you did that because you allow me to get serious if I can't just get serious again. Uh A significant proportion of the body's blood supply (laughs) when it accumulates in the progenitive (laughs) organs, this blood borrowed from the cerebral hemisphere if sexual tension is prolonged without release for a... Su- I, don't silence me. Get, don't, you can't have my microphone. For a sustained period of time, the result... Of, get away, Greg. Stop pointing your bone at me. Get away from me. The resulting lack of oxygen to the cere- cerebellum can trigger a seizure. Casey, Casey, hamstring. you need to stop. Casey. No, wait. No,
2: don't let me finish. Let me finish. It's no, that's the if point. I'm not going to let you finish.
3: No, please. You're killing me.
2: Killing! <laughs> Well, you've just been bone-pointed by Stones of Death, a.k.a. Kadaicha. Thank you to Seth Applebaum of Ghost Funk Orchestra and Gabriella Tessitore of Scout Harris for our theme song, and Shearer for our logo, Justin Ferraro of the Rizzos for our bed music, and we'd like to extend a personal thank you to our relief teacher, John O'Field. Music in his section was performed by Tupaga Wiradjuri, an aboriginal tribe, artist and musician lewis burns tune in next time for the unlikely mashup of young toby mcguire and old mickey rooney in revenge of the red baron thank you from the whole video high crew casey Regan, jamie kennedy josh roth and myself greg hansen listen on spotify apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
1: I've always said first step towards true anti colonization is to kill the tanned, virile, kimono wearing real estate developer in your (laughs) mind. (laughs) Uh,
3: uh, In your ear. Podcast Network.